After lifting their first trophy of 2017, Toronto FC quickly turned their sights towards their next set of goals. That involved adding another trophy to their cabinet and trying to break a points record that had stood for 20 years. On this week's episode of the Northern Pitch Podcast, we take a look back at Toronto FC's Supporter Shield pursuit with a very special guest. Joining us shortly will be former Toronto FC defender, now with FC Cincinnati, Nick Hagland. But first, Tagwell Moyo, I think to me the second half of, the, of Toronto FC's season in 2017 almost seemed like a movie montage. I mean, it was the moment of the season where they were just so dominant. They were winning pretty much every game by by a solid amount. And I know they left the points record t- till the very end and, you know, quite dramatic fashion in the way they got it um, with, you know, Seba drinking the beer, the, the free kick he scored to tie that game and, and probably one of the most memorable games of the year. But um, for, for most of that, that second half, it really did seem like they were on pace, obviously to win the Sporter Shield, but that points record seemed, seemed pretty in the mix as well. It was, yeah, it was just like the team doing what they ended up, doing the entire season um and even in that game Sebu the entire season was just when they needed him he would he would show up <laughs> and um, he showed up big with that free kick um that super beer the entire season the team they started off a little bit slow but they they picked things up and they were just utterly dominant for the entire season so it's cool to hear um Nick's output and and experience into what it was like yeah and a couple of, of good stories about that Atlanta game as well from him um, and and as you said kind of reflecting on why that Toronto FC team was was so dominant and and was able to to win basically every competition they were involved in so uh, without further ado let's get Nick Hagelin on the line hello this is Stephen Caldwell and I'd like to tell you about my new podcast footy talks with Stephen Caldwell which launches Monday with my player-to-player interview with Josie Altador. Subscribe now by searching Footy Talks with Stephen Caldwell wherever you get your podcasts. We're pleased to welcome to the show 2017 MLS Cup champion and former Toronto FC defender, now with Cincinnati, Nick Hagelin. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So we wanted to uh, know before we get into it, um, you know, how's isolation been treating you? What have you been uh, getting into? Man, all right. Well, it's been fun. It's been, I've uh, been chasing around a two-year-old all day. So, uh, you know, trying to figure out when to get my workouts in based on her schedule. But it's been fun. I probably ran out of ideas about like 10 days into to quarantine. So we're just like recycling things here and there. <laughs> More creative. Uh, they're long days, but they're good. They're, I would never, I wouldn't rather be uh cooped up with with anyone else other than my wife and my daughter so it's been fun it's been uh obviously i miss football a ton um but you know you have to take it for what it is it's important to keep everyone healthy and so we have to do our part to stay home my sister also was like trying to run around with her two-year-old and we were having a conversation the other day how like it's crazy that they have no clue what's going on right now yeah <laughs> For sure. I have no idea what day it is. I'm following an Instagram account that tells me what day it is. Like, today's Tuesday. That's <laughs> all I need bad to know. I- not a bad idea. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah, lost um, track of time, track of days, what's going on. It's basically my days are like, wake up, uh, there's a chunk of time, then there's nap time, there's a chunk of time, then she goes to bed, and then I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, routine, routine is what will get you by. That's right. Um, but let's move on to uh, – a little bit more of the, this podcast you kind of were able to see the evolution of this team from like the bloody big deal in 2014 mm-hmm. to uh, winning the cup four seasons later like what was like it like being part of that process yeah I mean it was interesting uh so 
you see you, you saw the team take a little bit of a different step every year um so the bloody big deal was the first step in spending a ton of money and deciding to really go for it with these big names you got Jermaine Gilberto and Michael and Michael was adding the the most important foundational piece of of being a captain and leading um leading the team um obviously Stephen Caldwell was the captain as well um but I feel like Michael was an integral person in, in, in on the field leadership as well. Um, so then moving to the next season, um, Greg is his first season as a head, a full first full season as a head coach. And you kind of, kind of see his ideas of what he wants to do. We played in a four, four, two diamond and we bombed forward and scored a bunch of goals, also conceded a bunch of goals, but you know, this idea of playing pretty football and wanting to score and wanting to play well. Um, and then 2016 kind of doing that again, except by the end of the season, we're playing in a three, five, two. Um, which kind of became the foundation for what the team was in 2017. Um, and every year the players got better. Every year the idea of what Greg wanted was more instilled in people. And so this, to watch the progression was pretty incredible and to be a part of it, um, to just watch guys grasp this and the culture change. I feel like that was one of the biggest things to jump from uh, 2014 to 2015 was this idea of culture and setting the standard of getting better every day and not worrying about like the res- exactly like what the results were but just the moments winning each moment and when we win the moments that turns into something bigger and I think that was kind of like every year is a moment and every year is an opportunity to get better and we did that and by 2017 you had all the right pieces the right culture and everything started humming yeah obviously you know in terms of winning the supporters shield and and just the consistency of that year um what what were the keys to that because you know you guys you set the league point record that year at the time you won everything you could win that year. Um, like you said, there was, there had been a process building to that, but you know, what was the, what was really the key to 2017? Yeah, I think one of the major keys to 2017 was losing the final in 2016. I think there was a huge grudge on everyone's shoulder that we should have won that game. Um, Seattle had no business, you know, being there and ultimately, you know, game zero, zero, they have zero shots on goal winning PKs. And it felt like, you know, we came back with a vengeance that year. 2017 was, this is our year. And so I remember sitting down uh, the beginning of the year and setting goals and we set our goals high. We were like, we are about to win supporter shield. We're about to do all these things. And so our goals that year were, but also like, keep the goals in mind, but also win the, win the moments, you know, practice every day we get better. Every time we step in the gym, we get better. Um, And everyone bought into that. There was not one player on the team that thought, I'm going to take a day off or anything like that. It was, everyone was all in from the beginning. Um, So I think the losing in 2016 really set a fire for, for 2017. Um, And then when it comes to, uh, I think one of the other things is that there were, there were several injuries or times that people were injured this year and someone stepped up, you know, everyone, I don't know if you look at the the team sheet and how many appearances um, everyone had, I think everyone was, everyone had at least five games under their belt from, from top to bottom. Everyone was a part of it. And I feel like that belief and that being a part of it and everyone feeling uh, like they were contributing and owning the team. I felt like that was uh, really significant. There was never any ties between like, you know, people getting frustrated with each other or anything like that. It was like good competition, exciting. And they knew whoever was on the field that they were going to do the job and everyone trusted each other. And I think that trust is what 
you know, if Jordan Hamilton steps on the field, he's bagging a goal. If Raheem comes on as a substitute, he's getting an assist. You know, uh, or even Alseth comes in at right back, does a, does, a, does a job. These are, like, names that aren't, like, the, the biggest names, but these are guys that played, you know, important parts and everyone felt it. Jason Hernandez, uh, myself, you know, we got, we guys came in and did the job. And so it was a team, it was a collective team. And I feel like that carried on every time we won a game, every time we won a trophy, it just increased this, this momentum, this culture, everything that was going on. You mentioned injuries and unfortunately, you know, you were one of those players who, who had yeah. to sit on the, the sidelines a little bit during that season. Um, particularly the one in August against Portland, um, that, that must have been tough considering, you know, um, it was a bit of a longer term one and you knew that, you know, it was going to be kind of touch and go at times as to whether you'd be back for the playoffs. What was that process like, um, you know, working your way back and, and, you know, knowing that you were trying to get back to a team that you knew could probably get very deep in the playoffs. For sure. Yeah, it was interesting. I feel like my story kind of starts in a little bit of 2016 where in the middle of the year, I'm not really playing. I'm playing USL games, loaned in and out here and there. Um, and it wasn't until like the last two games of the season that I started playing in the 3-5-2 and really solidified myself as a, an important part of the team in the MLA, in the, the cup run that year. Um, and obviously we lost, but the next year they signed Chris Mavinga, left-footed center back. I know exactly what that means. You know, <laughs> he's, they're going to try and play him in my position. So I felt like I had to be on, I had to be ready from the beginning. Um, you know, so the first couple games, um, I th we didn't have a hot start. First five games, I think we went, we had like three ties and a win and a loss or something like that. Um, and I played okay. Um, Chris came in against Atlanta and started there. And eventually I came back in during that game. Um, and then Drew came with the heart arrhythmia. And then it was a six-game win streak with Chris on the left, me in the middle, and Zav on the right. And I feel like that's where I really solidified myself and was playing really, playing really well. Um, and then I got hurt there. Uh, I did my MCL grade three. Um, and so it was about a two month, uh, two and a half month recovery, probably rushed it a little bit because I just wanted to get back. Cause I know how, yeah. how well this team was going in the yeah. summer. We were, we were humming already. And so when I came back from that injury, I played against Colorado and then Portland. And then ultimately I did my knee again, uh, against Portland. And that would be my last regular season appearance. Um, so obviously it was devastating. I was like, this is my season. This is my season. Like there's no chance that I'm coming back here. Um, and so I was pretty disappointed, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I was just like, man, what an opportunity would it be a part of this team, you know, that makes a big run um, and ultimately has the best chance of winning MLS Cup at this point. So for me, I thought that was the end of my season and it would be really difficult to, to come back. That's intense. Um, but then, so the, with the team, you guys ended up winning the Supporter Shield, but was was kind of weird was it wasn't there when you guys won it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was strange it was, I, I forget where it was maybe it was in dallas or yeah it was in dallas the yeah. fans didn't give it back in time <laughs> yeah it was really it was really strange so we were thinking about like where's the trophy what's going on here but ultimately i think another thing about this team is that like when we would win something it was just like all right, on to the next one. You know, like when we won Canadian Cup, on to the next one. Supporter Shield, we were excited about it, but we were just like, you know what, this isn't what our goal was at this end. It was MLS Cup. And so 
um, you know, we never got too high and we never got too low. We just stayed even keel. And so I, even though we didn't have the shield, which was really strange, um, I don't think, I think that was kind of representative, representative of the team that we had, you know, that the shield to us having it in our hands wasn't what really mattered. It mattered about winning MLS cup that year. And was, was that kind of like a mindset that you guys like agreed upon, like at the beginning of the season that like, if we, if we do win things, it's, the, the task is the cup or was that kind of just like an unspoken spoken thing that went went on I think for I think uh, this year that year was you know when we lost MLS cup I think everyone knew that we had to get back there that we had to get a championship for 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 Toronto and so I think it was a it was definitely in the beginning of the year it was what we were going for and as like we started winning it was just like a mindset like we're on to bigger things we're on to bigger things that, that's cool. What was also kind of funny is, so you guys didn't get it um, when you initially won, but you ended up getting it in the match um, against the Impact. Uh, what was it like playing in that rivalry and also kind of getting getting the uh, getting the supporter shield against the Impact? Yeah, I mean that rivalry is intense. It's the best. I mean, I think it's the best uh, rivalry in MLS for sure. I mean, the number of times I mean the number of times you would see them during a season. It's probably upwards to like six or seven times a yeah. season that you're playing Montreal Impact. So there's always going to be a scuffle. There's always going to be something. Someone's going to remember a cheap shot. You know, there's always something to prove. Like a, right up the you know right up the four hundred one. So um, yeah, every time you it didn't matter what was on stake, what was at stake during the game. Even if you were like the bottom two teams in the table, it would be a bloodbath. You know, there was always something to prove. There's always uh, you know, someone that you want to get the better of. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, just being a part of that rivalry is fun. You know, for me, my, my favorite experience is when I scored the goal in uh, MLS Cup against Montreal, and it was it was so satisfying to, to be against Montreal to knock them out, you know. There's no other team that I would rather have, have that happen to. Um, but, yeah, to receive it in front of the supporters, you know, in, in front of Montreal Impact, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, they were they were riding high off the their CCL run. And so it was kind of, you know, there's a new team here. There's a new team that's taken over. And to do it in front of them felt felt satisfying. Another wrinkle to, to that end of the season was, um, you know, the now infamous game in Trinidad and Tobago where the United States got eliminated, which meant basically every American away day then you had Josie yeah, and Michael best. <laughs> yeah, getting booed every time they touched the ball. Uh, what was that like? I mean, having two players that have meant so much to, I guess, American soccer history, getting booed and, and kind of the, the adage, I guess, atmosphere that added to, to all the away dates. Yeah, it was really strange, to be honest. Um, it made us, I, I feel like, um, made a, made the team just stand up for our players even more. I mean, I thought it was disrespect, you know, for fans to, to do that to them, um, for what they've given to the, to given to the national team and everything that they've done to help achieve it. I feel like it was, it was, it was tough to watch, you know, uh, as an American, like, um, I go to battle with these guys and, and the, the coolest thing was to watch them. Like they didn't care. They were, you know, like they were like, this is all about business. Like people are going to say what they're going to say. Like I'm going to keep a head, my head straight and just go for it. Um, and I hope that there was like a, you know, for them, there was an extra chip on their shoulder that when we won it, that, um, you know, that they could say some, you know, it, their, their, their ability and their, you know, performance could say more than than what happened in Trinidad but you know I think uh for for the team 
it was just about supporting these guys. You know, we were just trying, you know, not let it get in, not let it get into their head, you know, try their, try our best to be by their side. And no matter what, um, regardless of what, like, you know, there were some terrible things that I would see fans lean over the side and yell at Michael or yell at Josie. Um, you know, it was frustrating. All you have to do is just come up behind them and just, know that having them know that you supported them, I think meant the world to them, but they're true professionals. They are where they are. Um, and they've done what they've done because of who they are and their mentality. And those two have the two of the strongest mentalities I know. Yeah. And it, fans do fans have done and continue to do some, like some weird things over the years. So it kind of sucks, especially I can imagine when it's your own teammate um, yeah. to see. And even uh, kind of like Seba drinking the beer um, in the Atlanta game, that was kind of a funny, uh, yeah it was great um yeah i mean it's it was it was perfect i mean that that play is uh seba's basically setting up the free kick the guy in the wall i forget who it, who it was was saying like like stand over here to the side stay and seba says it doesn't matter where you stand i'm hitting this top bin <laughs> you know um and it was incredible i mean this guy was on fire he knew exactly what he wanted to do and the perfect celebration was to you know to cap off the, the supporter shield and the highest point total there um was perfect it was a perfect ending yeah and you guys build off that um you know going into the playoffs as the obvious favorites and and obviously a big moment for you because you're able to to get back in the lineup and mm-hmm. um that must have been a, a pretty big payoff considering you played i, I think at least a part in all but one of the the playoff games. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I got it. Which was the crazy part is so we're in New York, or yeah, in New York, and Drew goes down, and I have to come right in, and that's kind of the first game since I don't know exactly midsummer that you know I've been rehabbing up. It took me three months to rehab from that to that, from that. So it was about I basically had two weeks to get back into fitness and then I was on the bench for the New York game and uh yeah I it was crazy that that it happened that way my job was typically to come in like last 10 minutes and head anything out you know crush the ball <laughs> doesn't matter what's going on just get this ball out we're gonna get the clean sheet or, or 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 uh you know close the game out here um and for me it was just like so meaningful to get to be a, a part of the end of the the season because it would have been such a hard season for me um in terms of injuries you know obviously it was a, it was an amazing uh, amazing season for the team but for me re- it resiliently going in every day and you know we're doing amazing but I'm still like rehabbing. So to get on the field and to be a part of it and to put on the shirt, um, you know, ultimately in the MLS cup final was, uh, you know, just a testament to, to sticking to it, you know, working hard, no matter what, regardless of what's happening, regardless of the situation um, and just being ready for when my opportunity was called. Yeah. And you did get that, that little cameo at the end of uh, the MLS cup final. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was that like replacing Josie, uh, you know, who had been, I guess the hero of that game. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it felt like, uh, you know, Nick, this is your job. Go get it done. You know, passing of the, the passing of the baton. Like this is, I've done my job. It's now, now do your job, you know, go, go finish this game off for us. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's so cool. And then um, moving on after you ended up going back home to Cincinnati, we talked to Oso um, um, and he was telling us what it's, what it's like to kind of, play for your home team um a lot of kids grew up wanting to do that so what was it what is it like being able to play for Cincinnati 
Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, to be honest, it's crazy that, like, uh, for me, that the stars align this way, that I'm playing MLS soccer and that a Cincinnati team, you know, I could have never dreamed of a Cincinnati team be existing while I was playing. Um, so for it to happen and for the stars aligned for me to be there has been uh, really cool. To play for your hometown, you know, there's, like, an extra special – bond to the to the city to the fans um because you know that all the the kids that are watching you all the fans that are watching you um grew up in the same place as you you know have the same uh, experiences as you um and ultimately you have a little bit more pressure to um you know s- set a standard and to to represent the the city of cincinnati more and so um it's it's cool i really embrace that and i uh you know I love getting to, to share my experiences with, with kids that are growing up around here so that they can dream big, you know. I think uh, for kids, you kind of put like a, a big crown around their head to, to, to grow into. And so I hope my job is to give them a pathway or, or see that this is possible for them and that they can dream big. You're clearly loving it in Cincinnati, but what do you miss most about Toronto and Toronto FC? Oh man, I, I mean, I miss I miss the the locker room. I miss the people. I feel like uh, you know, the people in Toronto, from you know, the security guards to the kitchen staff to the coaches to the front office to the people. Um, the whole organization was filled with great people, um, like minded winners, um, and I feel like you know. It was just like a, such a special group to be a part of. Um, you know, I have group chats that I'm still texting all the guys with. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a special group. And I feel like the, all the people is what made the, the championship happen, you know. And so I feel like that's what I miss. And I really miss just like Toronto, you know, vibes, you know, summer vibes and just the food scene and Jimmy's Coffee and, you know, just walking down Queen Street. Um, you know, there's just so many fond memories of living in Toronto that I, I, I miss that. Yeah, I know Ohio is not a lot warmer, but it is snowing here right now. So That's imagine what I you don't got some uh, sun right now, so we're all right. <laughs> you don't uh, miss that too much. But West Coast is the best coast. That's all I'm going to say, boys. <laughs> Vancouver, it's sunny and 15 degrees. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Thank you for That's that. Right. But um, Nick, uh, before we let you go, we have a couple more questions. Um, yeah. One of which each week on the show, we do a quiz. Um, and I think you've already demonstrated a pretty good memory of the 2017 season, but um, we'll test that. We, we have one quiz question for you, which is, can you name the three Toronto FC players that were in the MLS best 11 2017? Yeah. Sebastian Javinko. Yeah. Victor Vasquez. Yeah. Justin Morrow. Wow. That was quick. <laughs> that was easy. You didn't even have to think. Well, we have we have another one as well. Oh, okay. um, this one this one's a little bit uh, less about the games that you played and you guys you spoke we spoke a little bit on training. Um, yeah. you yourself are a defender. Right. Um so who was the worst rondo partner so to be in and practice with? Um we have it we have we put a um we we thought about it and we ended up just doing strikers. So we have Josie, Seba, Jordan Hamilton and Tosin Ricketts. Who would be the guys that when you when you see that they're in, you're like, okay, we're gonna be in for here for a while. Mm, oh, okay. And rank them. Rank them if you will. Rank them if I can. All right. Josie, Seba, J Ham, and Toss. All right. <laughs> Toss is the first out of that group, I'm picking Toss first. Okay. 
He's gonna his first step is quick. He's got long legs. He's gonna go for it. Like within the first five passes, he's probably gonna work really hard and get it. And so um next I'm picking Jay Hams. Okay. Reason behind that one. Um and you did this to yourself. You started the reasoning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um Hams is gonna sulk for a second. So the first five passes, you're not gonna get the ball. He's gonna go, bro, come on, bro. You're gonna whine a little bit about what's happened to him. Like say something like someone played him a bad ball or something like that. So first five passes, you're definitely not getting the ball. Um, but then he'll start to work and you know, Jayham's pretty athletic, so he's probably gonna get the ball eventually. Um and then Seba. Um, Seba over Josie. Yeah, I mean, Josie, Josie's probably – Josie's going to make you do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll probably step in here and there to, to try and win the ball. But if, he, if it goes past 10 passes, Josie starts sliding. He just starts trying <laughs> to take people out. To be honest, me and Josie were never in the same rondo. There was like two separate rondos that we would have, and Josie would never come to our, come to our rondo. So and you guys he, just have like a black. He just had a blackout button, and then yeah, was, blackout button. Ten passes, and then he's sliding everywhere. And if he's missing the first one, he's probably missing the next five. So you're <laughs> definitely going. In. Seba is gonna get ma- get angry, yell, uh, and then start sliding as well. Um, but he'll eventually he'll eventually get the ball faster than Josie. <laughs> that that is um that is all we're we're glad that you answered it truthfully and honestly. Yeah, with backstories to, to all of yeah, it, we, no we appreciate that. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah thank man. you so much for for yeah, joining no us. Yeah, this is a blast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to run down memory lane a little bit. Did it fit into the the nap time slot? Uh no, no. <laughs> she's with my she's with my wife my daughter's with my wife right now. <laughs> Nap time's from uh, one thirty to three. <laughs> mm, just missed it. That's all right. Don't worry. That's why we're we're dub- we're you know we're we're it's two against one, so we're all right right now. <laughs> if there was ever to be more, then we're in trouble. You know, man to man defense. That's when go. it gets dicey. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Nick. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks again to Nick Hagelin for joining us on the show. What an incredible memory that guy has. I expected that to be one of the more difficult trivia questions this week. And, you know, he just batted it out of the park. There were so many good players on that team that uh, picking the ones who were in the, the best 11 for MLS, you know, it must have been a little tricky, but he, he just knew right away. He didn't even he didn't even like think for a second. He just knew it instantly, which was cool. We should we might need to have him back. And just for, for 45 minutes, we're just asking him trivia questions. Yeah, that might have to be our research for the next couple episodes is just asking Nick Hagelin questions and then writing down his responses. But while we work on getting him back for that, um, let's not forget that we will have trivia questions on this uh, based off of this episode on the Darby Mag Instagram story. Um, so make sure you tune into that. Um, some of you guys have been doing really well. Some people have been doing really, really poorly. You mean Chris Wondolowski wasn't the rookie of the year in 2017? He was. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but but um no it's it's uh it's it's gonna be good so yeah just make sure you 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 head to darby mag um on instagram um and we'll always be posting our trivia questions the following day as for those trivia questions they are who scored a hat trick in the win over the new york red bulls that secured tron fc the supporters shield how many points did tron fc put up in 2017 
How many hat tricks did Toronto FC players have during the 2017 season? And how many individual awards did Toronto FC personnel win in 2017? That doesn't count the MLS MVP that Josie Elstor would go on to win. Next week on the show, it's playoff week. Thanks again for listening.